know when you hear a girl saying like, oh, I was so shit-faced last night. I shouldn't have fucked that guy. We could be that mistake. This is the Amazingly Pulp Show, episode eight, Blue Yonder. Uh, we have the Blue Yonder interviewer. They got the, we have the guys from the the Blue Yonder cast or at BaldMove.com. They are the senior cast. They are our bosses. They are everything and they anything. write the checks. They <laughs> give us the high quality technology to bring they, you. Uh, they here. stamp. This is for you. <laughs> uh, no, big fans of the show. Um, uh, Blue Yonder. We wanted to get him on. These guys are great. If you're not listening to him yet, you need to. Uh, without Blue Yonder, there would be no Amazingly Pulp Show. So if you're a fan of Amazingly Pulp Show, it is your duty to God and your country and Jesus. to Jazzy. To, and, and, <laughs> if you want to walk like Jesus, right. listen to Blue Yonder. If you want to walk uh, on water. Yeah. You see me walking on water, Judas? But um, now, when we go into this, I everyone, want everyone to know we are not talking about Jazzy today. No, we're not. Jazzy's, Zaggy's, yes, he's so that much, he's fragile. Jazzy came in and said, if we get too personal, I'm walking off the show. I'm walking off set. (laughs) So the last time you talked about me shaving my pubes, I've had it, we're not doing it. (laughs) We're not doing it, we're not shaving the pubes anymore, we're not strapping them in my face. I I mean, you know, he brought them to me, they run a bag, he wanted to smoke them, and I think that was the problem. Um, You know, I looked at him and said, what the fuck happened? And I said, uh, we're going to talk about it on the show. And he said, no, I'm not talking about the show. I am truly jealous you got to suck on those tits when you were a baby. So, um... So, well, so okay. Well, let, since while we're waiting for Blue Yonder, why don't we figure out what, we're, what we did this past week? What did you do this past week, Jay? Uh, I... Pretty much nothing. I went to work every day and said, I fucking hate this. <laughs> Uh, you know, as most people who might know me know that um, I do have a day job, and it's, it's not just—it's not just a career. It's amazing about it's not, it, it's, it's not. It's not a career. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> but that's not. It's. I'm not really. I mean, I think like most Americans these days, we're not really doing um, what we set out to do. But you still have your goals and your dreams, and and you know, for me, I'm trying to hit it as a comic book artist. So I'm, I'm hitting the conventions, hitting the street. Uh, so, you know, I go to my day job, I say, I fucking hate this, then I come home, and I sit down to draw my comics, uh, and it's just, it's, it's long, it's tiring, but that's, that's basically, I have no life, you know? Well, see, that's the problem, you have, you have three jobs. He's, see, people don't know this, but Jay Hat's also a family man, he's a work man, and he's a comic book dreamer. See, I keep it simple, I, I decided that strip clubs at Silk is just where to dance. Sex, boobs, and rock and roll. Right. (laughs) He's so. dancing over there. Yeah, I think you t- I took you. I think you took the motto that um, I'm not living life till I've sniffed coke off a stripper's tit. Whoa! <laughs> if that's not life's motto, I don't know what it is. 
So uh, I, there is a little bit of a digital delay here with um, the cast. We're we're low key in it. Um, we're kind of like the the Space Jam of movies, you know. Whereas of course, Space Jam was great. <laughs> well, <laughs> Michael Jordan was in that movie. <laughs> I, I think I think we pro- we promote ourselves as something great, and then people listen to our show and it's shit. <laughs> well, and if they're not used to that by now, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so we like this like Space Jam, like uh, uh, you know, if you want to be Bugs, I'll be Daffy. Um, Attack of the killer science. Silence. Silence. Solo brought to you by J Hat. <laughs> Copywritten and wrote. Can't talk. Can't write. Can't read. Um, well, while we wait for the guys at Blue Yonder, we'll, we'll, we'll continue on. I just got a message from them saying um, they're they're on their way. So um, they're driving to the studio. Yeah, we're where I was going with that was we you know we don't have big production here so. It's not going to be the best sound quality, but it works, you know. So you'll still be able to hear them. Um, these guys are great. Uh, they talk about everything and anything under we'll the sun. We'll talk about. I, I actually, I've only, I've only heard like I think there was that snippet. Oh, the, you're fucking fired now. Because uh, you know they're going to hear the show. I know and they're going to get mad at me. Only listen to a snippet of our show. <laughs> they're going to be like, "Why is he not? Why is he co-host? He's supposed to be a special guest host." <laughs> You bumped him up and he's never listened to show. No, what's going to happen is you're going to be asking him a question and then they're going to go, what the fuck? This is bullshit. He really didn't know what was going on. <laughs> um, no, um, but yeah. I, oh. That's good because you can you can take the approach of someone who hasn't. That's the approach I plan to take. I was I was waiting for this episode. We signed him uh, weeks ago. So uh, the boss man. Yeah, and, and in the future, we are going to be uh, have some sort of integration. We, we, I figure, you know, we got entertainment. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 we're throwing ourselves out there as entertainment gurus. We're really entertainers. Um, we got to cover all aspects. Even exactly. though, like, I, I like sports. <laughs> Thank you. All right. But uh, I don't always have the knowledge on everything that's going on. So we're going to bring in... Our special, um, our special uh, guest sports host, uh, uh, Bobby Light. Bobby, Bobby Light. So Bobby Light sent us. He will be on the show on episode nine. Um, this is episode eight of the Amazingly Pulp Show. In case you were uh, playing the home game. In but, case you're not counting at home. Yeah. It is eight. Because um, we're 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 doing it we're doing it big here. But we signed him to episode nine. He's really good. <laughs> Was that funny, Jazzy? Um, yeah, so we'll, folks, we are going to be bringing you some uh, sports uh, entertainment. Uh, speaking of, did you hear about the guy that uh, fell yeah. over the railing at the, what was that, Texans game? That yeah, Texans, the Rangers game. The Rangers game, yeah. The, the, and, guy, the, guy, the guy in the baseball, uh, the outfielder, threw the, the, threw the foul ball to him, caught it, threw the foul ball to him. And the guy just fell off the, he fell off like 20 feet, landed on his head. And six-year-old kid's just like... Yeah. That kid's never going to another fucking baseball game. <laughs> that anymore. kid's not gonna play baseball ever. <laughs> uh, you know that's terrible. And, and, and George Bush was in the crowd. No know? way, was he? Just, really? just another reason to show that he's not a hero. <laughs> he let like, that another guy <laughs> die yeah. on his watch. Yeah. Fuck you, Bush. <laughs> I thought you said uh, leave no man behind. You let him drop <laughs> in front of his. Kid. See, and I, I blame Bush for that. Yeah. No, in no aspects, whether it's presidential or any other aspects, are you a fan of Bush? You're just yeah. not. And I knew you weren't a fan of Bush when you brought home that guy. Yeah, I was like, you, you got to shave this shit. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Bush. 
You know, the band had a few hits, not that great. <laughs> well, the the musical band? Well, I mean, in all aspects. We're just trying to get the whole dynamic of Bush. He married Yoko and it broke up the band. Uh, who was that? Who did he marry? Uh, Gwen Stefani. Oh, yeah, and then she turned into a man. Yeah, she went down on him once and said this. But my lips hurt real bad. So, you know, and he said he had to work harder to make her stick around, so... Um, Gross! Uh, but, yeah, so... We are currently, um, currently awaiting <laughs> the big mission control mission that is. See, well, the boss man, they're busy over there at Bossman right. Studios. If, if I know them, they're concocting some huge super hookup, uh, so that, you know, they, they've kind of got like the, they, they cast out of what's called the bald cave. You know, and I imagine the ball cave as like the Pentagon. It's the Pentagon. You know, the Pentagon just, of podcasts. Yeah, it, you know, they're they're watching everybody through, um, you know, ATM machines or Mac machines, depending on where in the country you're at. You know, because uh, where in the country do they have ATM machines? <laughs> <laughs> well, who are they? Uh, one place they're called like Star Machines or something like that. I'm like Star Machine, really? They call them Star Blast off. <laughs> we go to the moon when you. Uh, I'm trying to take a drink and talk at the same time. That never works. Um, well, okay, let, you know what we can do? We can, uh, you can have question A, which says, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, so, um... But you have to do it in a dialect. In a dialect? Other than your own. Other than my own. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> you don't like Bush. I don't like Bush at all. Shave that shit. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and maybe you could do it, like, in a, uh, um... New Orleans, uh, you know, like a born in the bayou accent. I only do like practice now. <laughs> practice. We'll just practice for the show. They could get better by episode nine. Just say I guarantee but after everything. I, yes, because I'm good at accents. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. I guarantee. I guarantee. Um, that's as good as the New Orleans accent what, you're going to get What is your today. best ac- accent? My best accent? I, I, you know what? Like, I thought I was good at accents when I was a kid. I must have been terrible because... Like, I used to love Jim Carrey because he did all the accents, and I was like, oh, right, you know, I couldn't even do it. And I used to say it thinking, oh, I sound great. And as it turns out, I'm horrid at accents. I'm just, I can't throw my voice or anything like that. Um, Let's, uh, uh, you know what we should do, though? Speaking of, of Jim Carrey and, and Dumb and Dumber, I want to hear your best Jim Carrey impersonation. Oh, jeez, look at the butt on that. He must work out. Did you like me right there I at like, the end? <laughs> I like you did the dual voices. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. You should give us your best accent. I desperately want to make love to a schoolboy. No, your best accent. That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey? Austria. Austria? <laughs> well then, <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. We should actually save the impersonations and, and accents for when the Dobby brothers are on. Right, because we, sign, we signed the Dobby twins, right? Yeah, but we need to give them code names, though. They could be um, the Hulkster and Macho. Hulkster? Not even Macho, man, just Macho Macho. <laughs> macho Macho? We'll let them pick. <laughs> and then you could be, like, Sensational Sherry, and then I could be... Sensational Sherry? Yeah, I could be Miss uh, Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. Did you ever watch wrestling in the 80s? First off, I watched part of the wrestling in the 80s, which most of them were all cooked up. It was like the Hulk, there was Jake the Snake, 
It was Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> Dig it. Dig it. <laughs> Actually, no. he did. He did. He, he bought it. <laughs> <laughs> he bit it. Ooh yeah, bit it. No, the, wasn't Owen Hart? Owen Hart was in the eighties, wasn't he? Or was he nineties? Owen um, Hart and Bret Hart. Bret Hart. They were brothers. Yeah, I think Bret Hart was first, and then um, then Owen took a turn for the turnbuckle. Yeah. No. Yeah. Owen died. Def- definitely Owen died. Ooh. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't have it. I didn't have it on uh, uh, speakerphone. Yeah, this is this is the Amazingly Pulp Show, episode eight. Are we talking to the guys from Bald Move, or is this another collection agency? <laughs> um, folks, in case you're listening at home, we were, we are listening. Oh, hold on. Uh, we're getting Morse code. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting beep 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 beep. Uh, are you talking about root beers or blowjobs? All right, that's okay. We're 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 just casting away. All right, we'll wait for you guys. Um, so I'm going to cancel that. Uh, that never gets old. Um, so yeah, so. We tried to make the connection work here with uh, the Blue Yonder guys, and I think just what happened was... I almost gave you the wrong shit, man. So, um... We will wait for them to call back, and... By the way, this is like our third take to try to <laughs> make this podcast. It's only um, three or four, but you know what? You know what? You know what I want to talk about? Something we didn't get to talk about a couple of podcasts ago. Look at my muscles, man. This is all P90. It's all P90? Yeah. Really? And that's just with my pants off. I'll tell you what, I'll take my shirt off. Well, he's not. Uh, Jayat doesn't wear pants during any podcast. It's a nervous thing. You, I don't even know if it's a nervous thing. I, it's, I think it's. I don't think it's a comfortable thing. It's just I think it's a. Um, I got kind of like Alzheimer's, so I just show up without my pants and halfway through the cast, I remember that I'm naked. Oh well. Oh, I always thought it was a comfortable thing. Now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> and that's what we go for here at the Amazingly Pulp Show. So okay. You know what we didn't talk about? What? Two episodes ago. Oh, your music review? Yes. All right, you got to fit it in until they, they we, pump through. We got to fit it in. We have like 30 seconds to 20 minutes to fill. Now you, got, now you got 20 seconds. 20 seconds. All right, here we go. Uh, no, I was going to say how we went down to, to Summerfest, and I've gone down there twice now. Now, the folks that listening, this is worldwide. This is worldwide. I'm, so, I'm sorry. sorry. Summerfest is the end of this review. <laughs> This is the Amazingly Pulp Show. You are live on the air. Oh, sweet. Oh, we are? Yes, caller. You're caller number 100. Uh, we're giving away free condoms today. They all have holes in them. Giving away free what? Free condoms that have holes in them. Man, this is like really... Uh, this is really... Our end. Yeah. We can hear you okay on our end. Is it, is it bad on your guys' end? Well, it's just, yeah, it's like the speaker, because I'm on a speaker now, so speaker and a speaker is just a horror show. I'm trying to think of a way to make this not sound as bad. 
Okay, that might not be the phone though. I I I do have problems talking. Oh well, that's actually better. Let's try it. Okay. Um. Well, let's go straight into it. Uh, we'd like to welcome Aaron Hubbard and Jim Jones to the show, who are the voices you'll hear behind the amazing cast that is Blue Yonder Podcast to the show. Welcome, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Can uh, you, you tell the listeners a little bit about yourselves? Uh, well, I'm, I'm nude right now, if that's any indication of my personality. I wish he was nude. He's actually wearing some psychedelic wolf t-shirt that's really creeping me out. <laughs> uh, like, it looks like one of those ones like, I could put 3D glasses on and the eyes would pop out. I think they're like the old school red and blue 3D glasses, not the newfangled sunglass type. Okay. You know, he should get some, uh, some boxer shorts that are the 3D type, and then you'll see if anything pops out. <laughs> I could just turn the air conditioner up so the nipples pop out. There, and I get like, uh, you know, the tactile 3D going. All right, I'll take back on the, on the course here. Uh, so I go by Jim Jones on our network on the Uh What do you want to know about me? Like my e credentials? Do you want to know what I do? Do you know more intimate details? Well, just just for the listeners who I mean who are tuning in to our show and 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 they why they need to go to your guys' show. I know you guys talk about geek culture, but just kind of a generalistic encompassment of where where you guys are coming from. Oh well, we're the flagship cast on the Ball Moon Network, so there's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the best cast. No, we're just but we are but we lead from the rear. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than in the rear. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, how did you guys first get into podcasting? Oh, boy. Uh, it's all in the ball move FAQ if people want to go there. But, um, not yeah, all of it. Not all of it. I'm going to type as you speak. Okay. Keep it up to date. But uh, ball move has roots all the way back to when uh, Peter and I, Peter Street, and I were kids, basically. Um, we would watch, like, Star Trek, and and uh, Picard was on there, and we'd always, he'd always make some crazy maneuver or something. And we'd say, oh, that's a ball move. Of course, you fall. Um, <laughs> and we had done podcasting for a while back in 2006 under the label Gong Radio. And then we kind of dropped that. And in 2010, we decided we wanted to start it back up. Uh, and so we were looking for a name. And we decided, oh, you know what? It'd be a ball move. We call it ball move. So that's what we did. Also, some background there is... We started this right as Jim had moved up to Chicago, and we were kind of afraid with me and Peter and Jim that we'd like kind of lose touch because that's what often times happens when friends move out of zip codes and stuff like that. So we kind of had this idea, like, well, what could we do like on a semi-regular basis? And I said, because I was a fan of their show Power Play from way back, and I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to do a podcast and. We're pretty funny, and we kind of have some interesting insights. We should just do, a, like, a podcast just for, like, kicks, you know? And so that kind of decided we did a three-man podcast. It was, like, general geek culture and kind of keep us all in touch and together. And um, it kind of went from there. And we intended originally to have it more grounded in real life. Like, we would tackle politics and religion and economics, everything from a geek point of view, but it turned out that like we couldn't agree on anything. <laughs> 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 I'm, just, 
other than our fanboy bullshit, we have little, we have almost no agreement in any kind of real world politics, religion, socioeconomic climate. So we scrapped all that and like, okay, all bullshit all the time. <laughs> Um, well, what were some of your influences or, or do you have any podcasts that you listen to and, and go, that's just fucking great? Uh, I'm kind of the podcast listener of the group. Um, I listen to probably around 10 podcasts or so weekly, um, and then others randomly. Uh, one podcast that I really like to talk about video games is kind of more of an independent podcast, even though they've been doing it for 10 years. Uh, it's called Orange Lounge Radio. It started off with like a DDR podcast and then branched out into video games in general. Um, I listen to a lot of like the Skeptic podcast because that's what I am. Um, there's one called Skeptic Guide to the Universe, which I find interesting. Um, some, some other podcasts I go into. Uh, they're very, very controversial, you know. I, I like my opinion controversial. <laughs> I like um, Aaron here. Uh, I like to listen to podcasts, see, not like Jim does, but um, my favorite one is Bill Simmons, the sports guy from ESPN. He has got a, a podcast, and what I like about him, because he doesn't talk mostly, he actually by 50% of the time talks about pop culture and the other time sports, but he has, his interviews are just kind of like, he calls up friends, like friends he has in the industry, like Alan Steppenwall, he wants to talk about game, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever, and it's just like you're sitting there in the living room having a conversation with these guys. And I like that style, the, the kind of informal, fast to lose. You can tell the people kind of like each other outside the cast. And there's like little tidbits of inside jokes that you don't quite pick up on. I kind of like that style. See, we, we bring that, but his friends just happen to be million slash billionaire um, industry insiders. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> sitting around an apartment. Right. Um, I thought for sure um, you guys were going to say uh, Blue Yonder, but... No, I never listened to that. Oh, God, I recorded it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh... <laughs> no, another one is uh, the Giant Bombcast. I like those guys a lot. Uh, I will give a shout-out to one of our... We call them our frenemies. Uh, way back when we decided to, as a kind of promotional tool, to start shit with other podcasts about our size and maybe a little bit bigger... And one of the ones that really took the bait and ran with it is uh, Personal Arrogance out of Seattle. And, uh, like, you know, we talked, we had this thing called the two-minute hate where <laughs> we would just, like, scream back to them about these guys and talk about Seattle and make fun of their parentage. And we, like, had, like, these weird, like, goats dying in the background and machine guns and explosions. Kind of like George Orwell made it even start. And uh, since then, we've gone to, like, the Penny Arcade Expo with them, and, you know, we collaborated with them on some stuff, and I find myself really looking forward to listening to their cast. Not just to do research material and talk shit about them, but just because I legitimately like it. Yeah. So I recommend personalarrogance.com. Now, see, that was that was question 20 for me, so when I get to that, I'm going to ask that again, and, and give me that same reply. I will. I might even, I might even put some stuff on it. <laughs> <laughs> um... Now, Jim and, and, and Aaron, you guys have a great rapport together. Do you ever, um, um, do either of you have any background before Blue Yonder in doing podcasts? I mean, I, I guess we kind of covered that a little bit uh, earlier, um, but or, or any type of radio or speaking, you know, elements, or did you just walk into the bald cave uh, one day and look at each other and say, "Yep, this is where the magic's going to happen." First of all, we 
always stumble into the ball game. Yeah. There's no walking, strutting, <laughs> or, or running about. It's always stumbling. Um, so I think, time, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I met Aaron about a year and a half ago, I think. It was, it was in a, a darkened alley. Um, There's more form involved. He was surprisingly wearing no shirt. Uh, there was floor form and <laughs> no, no. Um, so we've been friends for a very long time. Since I was about ten and he was about twenty-three, right? <laughs> a little brother. Do you like gladiator I, movies? <laughs> I, I got dismissed from the program for some inappropriate touching, but uh, you know. Oh god. Uh, no, we we've been friends for a very long time. Uh, we basically grew up together. And I think that um, as far as public speaking, the way we grew up is we went to the same church. Uh, people might have heard of it, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. And one of the things that they are big into is public speaking because they're all about going out in the ministry. And, like, since I was five years old, I've been used to, like, getting up in front of a couple hundred people and giving a five-minute extent or, you know, sermon about some sort of Bible passage yeah. and stuff like that. So... What little public speaking ability I have comes from probably that crazy religious background and not so much uh, any kind of Toastmasters <laughs> Club or extensive online experience. <laughs> Those crazy Jehovah Witnesses. You, you weren't you weren't a part of the uh, the skulls the skull group, huh? The skulls? No, he said the skulls. No. That sounds familiar. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that that, that actually does I, that does sound familiar, but I don't. I don't know if that was a joke or if that was a serious question, but it kind of does <laughs> ring a bell. No, uh, I, no, I, you said Toastmasters, so I thought maybe with the, I think it was called like the, the Harvard, like the Skulls, the Secret Society Skull Club oh, or something. Oh, look at the Skulls, like, <laughs> like a family name. I'm like, oh yeah, they like, they rule half the Jehovah's Witness Empire. <laughs> <laughs> you don't fuck with the Skulls, man. Out of, out, of North, out of North Dakota? No, God no. Unless you want to get your shit cut. <laughs> Um, no, as I understand it, you guys get together once a week to, uh, for a cast night. Can you walk us through a typical night? <laughs> well, if, if this were an explicit cast, perhaps. But, uh, no, um, we basically, I come over like around a half an hour before the show starts. Um, we very quickly kind of get our notes together about what we're talking about this week because independently each week we'll both dig up topics and think of interesting things to talk about and then when we come together to record the show we actually I mean I've got to announce everything so he'll clue me into what he's talking about but before that I have no idea what we're talking about usually <laughs> um, and then we just hook up our laptops we've got a mixer and mics and uh, we just installed this fancy new monitor where we can both see what's going on with the, the show outline and I uh, yeah we just record. We've tweaked the format several different times, and I yeah. think that, that we settled on the like kind of semi-secret, like he knows what he's talking about, I know what I'm talking about, so that when we're on air, that's the first we've kind of heard the other person's take. And a lot of times, because we talk daily on G, you know, G, Google Talk or whatever, and we'll like, you know, mention like, hey, I saw this link, what do you think about it? And like, if it generates more than two lines of response, we're like, well, save it for the cast. <laughs> because, you know, you don't want to, you know, waste your juice on Google Talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that quite a bit here with Jazzy. Actually, Jazzy kind of just rolls in the door the day I cast after I got like a Bible of material that half the shit goes out the window that day. 
but uh, he just kind of jumps on my back and, and just whips me the whole time and, and, and do the shit for me. It's very erotic. Oh, not even hot already. that <laughs> <laughs> again. So, you guys just released your 71st episode of Blue Yonder. I mean, that's fucking amazing. Uh, do you ever have a time where you walk in and say, you know, fuck this, I'm not into it, and if so, um, you know, how do you guys finish it? Oh, yeah, we've had those times. There have been several times where we've thought about just giving it up. Um, because either personal differences or we didn't have the audience that we'd like to have or whatever. Um, normally it comes down to just talking about it, um, and then one of us is usually there to kind of push it forward. Um, we've been lucky that we have it all lined up at the same time where we all want to quit because then it would probably just be over. Right. There's only been one of us to say, no, let's keep doing it. And we tried very hard in the beginning to have what we call juice in the can, but like we have a couple of podcasts that have evergreen content, stuff that doesn't expire, just general bullshit that we can also post up there if we have vacations we want to go to or whatever. I mean, now we have, we're trying to keep one or two of those back up in case somebody's sick. Um, we've had to do a couple solo casts. There's a rat, rat, like, you know, where just one of us would be casting. Um, but yeah, it's been tough because we've had creative differences. Um, you know, we used to be three-man cast, now we're back to two-man cast. And, and, you know, we had some creative control issues and we had some, like, timing, like, how often should we do this? Um, I said from the beginning, I was like, I don't care what we do, but whatever release schedule we make, we have to hit it each week right now. Because I didn't want to be involved in something that's like, well, it might come out every week or every three weeks. Or it's like, that was important to me, that every week or if it's every two weeks, that the listener, if they know that on Friday they can go get a Blue Yonder, that every Friday they should fucking know there's going to be a Blue Yonder. And that would probably kill me is that if we ever missed a release date, I'd probably be like, you know what, fuck this. But I think we're now in a situation that'll never happen. Yeah, we're in, we're in a very good flow now, where we, we just come over, we get it done, and there's no issue of whether or not we're recording. Right. Now you guys talk about geek culture, so let me ask you this. Uh, do you feel that the tables have turned as far as geeks not being cool and the alpha males being on top? You know, with the rise of gaming systems being pretty close to being in every household, comic book movies that are on the rise and computer technology taking over the world, uh, don't you think that the geeks are essentially the cool guys now? Yeah, I've, I think I've expressed that opinion a couple times on Blue Yonder. Um, That's a popular topic for us. It is. We do the State of the Geek. Once every six months, I think. Before, pack. Yeah, before each pack, Pax East and Pax Prime, we do a show just on where we think the state of the geek is. And in fact, we'll probably report that pretty soon because Pax Prime has come up in August. Yeah, and I think in the well, I gotta last, have to say. <laughs> yeah, um, in the last one that we did, I think I expressed the opinion that geeks are kind of becoming so mainstream now that we're turning into the sort of things that we despised about the jocks who made fun of us because of us, you know? Um, we're, we're kind of now the popular and cool ones, and we're using that power in some ways that I don't find particularly palatable. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's definitely, we're the cool guys now, for sure. Yeah, because it's weird. I mean, you know, like there's this, all this dispute about geek purity, and then there's like hating on certain facts of the geek, which I, I mean, like I can't stand furries. I don't get it, I don't like it. I think they should be pushed down, like their books should be slapped out of their hands and pushed down in hallways. 
that's kind of me becoming the oppressor because exactly. like when I was a Trekkie and a big giant flaming nerd in high school, I didn't appreciate people, you know, hating on me for that, but it's like I don't part of that's human nature. And now that we're big enough to be a a recognized force in the wider world, uh, or geek is a four letter word, now we're starting to use that same kind of so flex that social muscle that, you know, the popular kids uh, and the geek and the jocks, you know, I guess in high school, well, you know, we've kind of become them. And I, don't, I kind of think that's inevitable. There's nothing pure and holy and inherently about the geek, you know, gene that keeps you from being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like that built into what geeks were, you know? Geeks were oppressed, so they should take that into consideration when they start oppressing other people. Yeah, but. but like but I guess we don't. Uh, the last time we did a state of the geek, I don't know sure which episode that was. I should know this, but I kind of said that there's there's a lot of material out there that says just the opposite. That if you're treated badly and you're in a one down social position, if you get on a one up social position, the first thing you do is pay that anger and frustration forward to someone that's even more underprivileged than you. It doesn't make sense, but you know, hell. We're a bunch of animals, you know, with meat for brains. So, what do you <laughs> well, with that being said, you know, what would you guys say defines a geek th- these days? Well, I think I've always said that something that you can say you're a geek if you have a kind of unusual focus on a particular hobby that you have and approach it from kind of like a geeky or very detailed technical overview. So like if you say you're a camping geek, that's fine, um, but you better be subscribed to like three different camping magazines and you better have like a solar panel for to recharge your iPhone out in your tent and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, like I heard there's an uproar in over uh, one geek meeting I saw that a Miss America uh, contestant had the temerity, the gall, to call herself a history geek and like, you know, how can that be? She looks good in a bikini and she has high heels and, you know, perfect white teeth and she's calling herself a geek. But like, you know, is she, is she really into history? And has she got the, can she like hold up her in the conversation? If so, fuck yeah, she can call herself a geek. If not, she needs to back the fuck up. I mean, that's what comes down to me. Can you back up the intellectual, like, kind of obsessive details that are a hallmark of geek culture? I, you know, and I heard in the, the earlier what you guys were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, you're also saying that was, you know, in the olden days it was a form of o- oppression too. Though, do you think that, you know, someone who may be a camping geek nowadays is is really oppressed though? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I don't think so. Um, and I I almost feel like geek is not necessarily losing its meaning, but it's changing so radically. And I'm not sure exactly what it means anymore because geek used to have a stigma attached to it um, where you were somewhat less functional socially than someone who was not a geek, right? Um, maybe that's because you spent more time on, on other stuff or what. But now that it's the mainstream, you have geeks mingling with other geeks every single day. Uh, they're far more sociable because everyone else is just like them. So I don't even know what what geek would mean other than like your level of devotion to something. Well, I think that we've blazed a trail, not me 
per se, but like the last, you know, the dot-com bubble and the technological bubble that we're seeing now and all the money being made by geeks. Founders of Google, giant geeks. Bill Gates, giant geek. You know, uh, you see these guys and they're making tons of money and they're the movers and shakers in the business world. And really, I mean, popular culture follows power and money. So in the last 20 years, it's hard to argue that the kind of the geek segment has gotten a lot of power and a lot of money and a lot of fame, and that's why it's kind of being stigmatized. So yeah, now Miss America can say she's a history geek and not have people be like, you know, want to give her purple nurples and pink bellies. I would, because <laughs> I just roll that way. I'm all about the purple nurples and the pink bellies. But just so I say, yeah, I mean, the people that have come before and have made it and have made some money and some... And some uh, gotten some acclaim and power and made it easier for all of us, I guess. So, so you think it's safe to, to say that there's just pretty much different levels of geekdom now nowadays? Yeah. I would even like, because the conventions I go to, because I go to a lot of big ones, Gen Con and all that, um, where, like, there's levels of geek that I'm not comfortable dealing with. Like, you know, they're just, they're so geeky that, like, I don't hate on them, I appreciate them, but it's like it's hard for me to interface because they're like, well, that's, that's kind of exactly my point. When, when do you stop calling the people who are not like that Does geek still have, should geek still have that negative connotation as far as your social... Uh, so it's like it's one scale. We keep, we keep the people that are too geeky to function. We call them geeks. Everybody else graduates to normal. That's what I'm wondering. Like, geeks <laughs> become so mainstream with things that were previously geeky. I, yeah. Well, it's like, like for example, you know, I, I had this conversation with someone at PAX last year where it's like, when as video games get to be more and more into popular culture, well, we have general video game conventions. And, you know, like, what would it be like? Because you don't have, there's not usually like a television convention of just pop culture. Everyone just goes around and for television. Yeah, comic books are there again, but that's, you know, comic books and they've kind of co opted the sci fi geeky stuff and, you know, use that as a marketing tool. But um, my point was, no, they don't have, like, a general television festival, but they do have a big Lebowski fest, and they do have, you know, brown coat conventions for Firefly, Buffy conventions for Buffy. So it's like it's all very hyper-specialized, and they've moved, you know, television is not geeky enough to have, maybe there was in the 1950s a television convention, but now it's too mainstream. Now, John and Jim, these little things. I think the game will... You have like a Halo convention, or you might have, uh, you know, and I don't know. I'm not. It sounds to me like we're chasing the geek out of society, like a, like a mouse they got in the house, running them out of town. Yeah, no, I mean they're co-opted. Society is co-opted. Well, so, then, but geek was the same for I kind of I kind of feel a little conflicted because you know like when I go I, I go to conventions I can kind of associate because I you know I'm standing in line uh, waiting to you know meet an artist or whatever you know whatever it is, is you're waiting in line and I've got this guy in front of me who smells like he just rolled out the garbage can you know outside in the hot summer and I'm like well that's a, that's a true geek but does that make me not a geek and because I'm sitting there going well I want to be a geek because we're on top of the fucking world right now I don't want to give up my power I'm getting laid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that never happened before. All right. <laughs> yeah, anytime you shower, you have a girlfriend. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I'm just like, I want to tell these guys, like, look, just take a fucking shower every day. It's just like, is it a new day? Have you showered? If you answer yes, if you answer yes to those questions, then you should take a shower. 
You know, it's like, it's, it's not rocket. That's, you don't have to be socially with it. You take a shower. It's a thing. Yeah. New day? Shower? Yes, no. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. But there again, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's being stinky and awkward is what defines a geek. I hope not. You know, but I feel like I said, geeky is how much you're into something, like your comic book geek and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's where I break down. I wish Peter were here because he has this weird opinion that he thinks that he misses the days when geeks were stigmatized because it, it's kind of like a red bag, you know, like in high school. Oh, uh, uh, well. You know, it's like those conversations get harder and harder to have as. You know, you have a lot of people that grow up normal and just like video games. You know, they're not oppressed. They didn't get into that. Uh, you know, but you still have some circles, like in Dungeons and Dragons, where it's still very, very socially on, on the personality scale. And it seems like people are drawn to that. We actually have a cast that did the deep stuff, you know, board gaming and RPGs that it's so geeky still. What's the deal? What's the deal? Yeah. Uh, we, it's called the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you, you, you're going a little in and out on that, Aaron, but uh, we got you covered because we'll uh, insert some sound clips during those parts where you're going in and out. So, all right, this is the point in the conversation. This is the point in the interview where I turn the tables on y'all because I have a list of questions I need to ask you. Okay. One of them is, um, I can't be serious, you know, because this kind of thing that you. Like, tell what type of geek you are. I don't want to answer. It's a battery question. You have to answer the first thing that comes to your head. Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. I need you to start over because you were breaking up. Whoever's rocking back and forth in their chair has to stop. Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead. You can't have my argument now? Uh, you're good. Okay. So, you know, like in Pulp Fiction, where, like, Uma Thurman asked uh, John Travolta, like, whether he's an Elvis fan or Beatles fan... And like he's trying to figure out what type of person he was. Yeah. I got battery questions to determine what type of geek everyone is. I like to administer. Okay. Um, and I'm like a rapid fire ask these questions to you and Jazzy Jeff, and I'd like for you guys to come back with your answers, and then we'll talk about it. Who do you want Good? to Who do you want to go first, Jazzy or, or Jay Hat? Jay Hat. Uh, well, and, 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 oh yeah, it's whatever. I mean. Jay Hat, then Jazzy, I guess. Okay. Uh, now, if my answer comes back broken, does that is that rapid? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well. Um. All right. Well, go ahead. I'll I'll do my best with the way the connection's going. Okay. The other thing is, there's only two choices. You can't say, "Oh, I really like a third choice." You have to decide which of the two you like the most and select that. All right. So I can't like oh. r- randomly say I'm gay or anything. No, don't say that. It's not a choice. First question, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Daddy? Daddy? Oh, sorry, I didn't know I was next. Marvel. (laughs) You can't ride my coattails. I'm not riding your coattails, I agree. (laughs) Okay, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Star Wars. But only the first first three, the original three. Is that a third answer? It's a... Shush! No. No, that's a super, that's a subset of Star Wars, and I agree with that philosophy. Did you say he was gay? That what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Metallica or Beastie Boys? Metallica. Beastie Boys. 
Transformers or G.I. Joe? G.I. Joe. Uh, G.I. Joe, but definitely not the movie. <laughs> Alright, video games or role-playing games? Video games. Definitely, definitely video games. Alright, console or PC? Uh, console, I'm not, or out of, uh, not necessity, but uh, only thing I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd go with console as well. Alright, Blade Runner or Matrix? Blade Runner. Ooh, Matrix. Ooh. Uh, Ender's Game or Lord of the Rings? What was the first one? Endgame. What did he say? <laughs> it sounds like you're saying Endgame. Like, I, I'm not racist. It's uh, Orson Scott Card, Ender's. Uh, I'll pick Lord of the Rings. I, well, no, no, I'm sorry. I haven't seen I haven't seen the, the new show yet. Okay. Uh, last, zombies or ninjas? Oh, uh, zombies. Ninjas. <laughs> I think that tells us everything we need to know about the, you guys. Now, I'm actually surprised you said Marvel over DC because I kind of, I listened to your cast, I pegged you as a DC guy. Well, yeah, here's the thing, and I kind of tell you how, how my, my style kind of rolls out is that when I was first introduced to kind of the comic world, um, you know, I went to my babysitter and she had, this is back in, um, I don't the 40s, know. 40s, right? No, nah, it's probably like 80 or 81. Um, she had these laser discs, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, the old Spider-Man show. So I used to watch that all the time. Uh, but then in the '80s, I got into watching the um, the DC uh, Super Friends, and they just had the cooler toys at the time. But then uh, in junior high uh, is when I got introduced into into comics, and um, I remember it, uh, very vividly. Uh, my my friend Garrett uh, had given me. I, 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 <laughs> I'd gotten bad grades. I think I got all F's, and I was grounded to my room for like an entire um, uh, uh, report card term, whatever that's called. So all I could do is, all I could do is come out and uh, eat dinner, and then I had to go back to my room. So he gave me like his whole collection of comics to read, and the first one I read was Infinity Gauntlet, and it just it blew me away. I mean, it's it's it, it got me in touch with uh, with not myself, but with uh, you know what. I, I feel that Marvel is more in touch with teenage kids. That sounded bad. Um, Just trying to be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try to touch. No. Um, but like with with DC, I, you know, I started getting in DC a little bit later. But that's only after certain artists kind of jumped in uh, and started sprucing it up a little bit. Um, I, I always kind of felt like DC was a little out out of touch with their art in the comic book world. But here lately, I've been getting into both. Uh, which is probably why it kind of sounds a more of a DC guy nowadays. But I, you know, Marvel's always been the ticket for me. Yeah, I'm the. I I can uh, sympathize because growing up, you know, there was a Super Friends and all that kind of stuff, and like there were no good Marvel uh, movies, but there was a Superman movie the franchise um, with Christopher Reeve, and I really liked that. I remember the day I became a Marvel fan is when I was in seventh grade and my buddy brought in the Punisher War Journal. Yep. And there's this comic where this guy was just blowing guys away and there was like blood spurting from their chest and there was like minor swear words and drug use and I'm like, fuck Batman and Superman. I'm all past this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I got into into X-Men and all that kind of stuff off of um, Punisher and I actually followed X-Men almost throughout the entire Chris Claremont run. Yeah, uh, um, I really only stopped reading them, you know, when the X Men number one can kind of, be, you know, when Image kind of split off. Um, I quit following comics about that time because I just got sick of the 
you know, hype and did multiple covers. And as a comic collector fan, I thought they were doing their damnedest best to alienate me. And I've come back into it because my son is starting to be old enough to read comic books. And now I'm kind of back and I see that he kind of gravitates towards Batman and Superman, the more mystic and archetypal characters, and doesn't get like the X-Men and Spider-Man and all that kind of stuff. But I think that when he's been a teenager, I'll flip around like it does for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I do the I do the same with, with you know my older son is I, I I try to get him into comics and I just kind of toss books at him and see what he he pulls towards and it's it's usually more you know even at his age he's like getting ready to go into junior high but he's still kind of gravitating to the, the you know the DC stuff and I'm kind of like yeah but you're at that age where you're getting ready to look at Playboy and like, the only thing that goes well with Playboy is X Men you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, once his balls drop, it's going to be all about, you know, the skimpy costumes <laughs> and all that stuff that goes on a Marvel. Yeah. Um, but we we kind of had, like, a, a difference of opinion about Frank quietly. Um, I still don't think we'll resolve that because I still think the man draws Plato characters. Um, but what is your favorite artist? Because you mentioned some of my favorite in the last cast. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to tell. I've got like a favorite of all time. Um, what's your favorite art artist? Well, l- let me preface that by saying that, like, when I got into comics, it was right as you know, um, Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, Jim Lee were all doing their kind of last runs in their books with Marvel. Um, and and for me, being an artist, um, I kind of gravitate to what's attractive to my eye. And you know, when I was reading those, I don't know if it was because that, that was my age, or and I, that's the time I was reading them, or if I just really gravitated to what they were doing. I mean, I believe that they kind of revolutionized the art side of it. I mean, the hardest part I always, have, and I still do to this day with comic books, is that if the art is not attractive to my eye, I have a hard time picking up the book, even if it's a good story. So, I mean, I kind of grew up in that era with the the slick look to it. Um, you know, I. I like Jim Lee, but I wasn't a fan of all the Jim Lee clones because I always felt that you know if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna draw like Jim Lee, well, why don't I just pick up a fucking Jim Lee book, you know? Uh, and you know Todd McFarlane. Actually, it's kind of ironic. He's probably my favorite artist, but when he fr- was first doing his stuff on Spider Man, I wasn't a big fan because it it kind of looked like he had meatbag guys. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I kind of had trouble, and I don't mean to offend any of the, you know, uh, hefty honeys out there in the world. I apologize, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know. So I just, I, I, I but I, then I, the more I got into it, I just liked that it, it was so different from the normal. You know, I felt like a lot of people uh, were drawing that kind of Dave Gibbons style, um, you know, kind of Frank Millerish. Um, but you know, so I, I kind of gravitated to these guys that are drawn slick quick dynamic stuff that was jumping out at at you you know what i mean like that's what i like in my my movies i like uh um cool shots and i mean it doesn't always have to be story for me although you know you could (laughs) you could watch any movie that's awesome but it still has to have a story but to answer your question i'd probably say my all-time favorite artist is probably todd mcfarlane uh i'm an arthur adam fan yeah yeah i love art adam He's the guy that was drawing X-Men at the time I first uh, kind of fell in love with him. Um, I've got a soft spot for Jim Lee because he was the author or artist on the Punisher War Journal when I first started reading that, and I really love his technical style. It was like a character was holding a gun, it wouldn't look like a flop that someone drew in two seconds. I mean, it was like a lavishly, it was like time on the... Some of the background 
details of some guy spent on four grand. So I have the, like, I, the new age of artists, he's my favorite, but I'm, I'm, Art Adams is like my all time. I think he, because my favorite character is probably Wolverine, and I think he's got the definitive Wolverine. Like when I think of Wolverine, I always think of Art Adams drawing him in his brown costume. Yeah, that's and that, that, that they need to bring that costume back. Um, yeah, I, I got into Art Adams. Uh, I think he was doing a run on Fantastic Four, um, and I just really got got into you know his backgrounds and the way he was designing his characters were just just pop out at you, you know. Um, that's that's something I've been wanting to talk about with a dad on the cast um, of late. Um, I keep on have to bring it back, but you're a dad, so you're going to do. Um, what's your take on violence and adult material in games and movies in relation to kids as far as that being harmful, harmless, what age is appropriate? Um, because this was kind of academic when I was a kid because, you know, I don't want to make a difference between movies where you're a passive experience and books are passive and video games where you're active. Because I was laughed off to concern where people like, well, if you watch violence, if you play violent video games, you get an axe murderer because, you know, I played Doom and all that stuff. I was like 13 at the time. Um, you know, my son, honest to God, believes that my truck transforms into a robot because <laughs> I took a five-star Autobot stick up on a Gen Con and slapped it on the back today. It's like, and, and like, if I told him Santa Claus would exist and he'd believe that and the Easter Bunny, I mean, these kids, like, they're, their grasp on reality is very tenuous at this age, and they don't get the difference between fantasy and reality. And then some of my friends make the decision to let their kids play really violent video games um, and watch really violent movies and all that kind of stuff. And I, I you know, I think the kids seem normal. Uh, now, what is your, what's your background? Well, I mean, how do you deal with that? Well. Uh... <laughs> I should probably preface it by saying, you know, like I, I'm, I'm kind of in two different positions because my older son, um, he's my stepson, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tread lightly on on how I step on the other end. But um, <laughs> I, I get kind of put in the position that if I don't kind of expose him to that some of that, some of that stuff, it's going to be exposed to him anyways on the other side because it's it's just the nature of that position, you know, uh, not honestly position, but it's just the nature of that situation. Um, you know, and, um, so with him, it's, it's, it's constantly like, well, if I don't get to it first and explain to him certain things, um, if I, I, I feel like it might not get explained a, a, a certain way or the proper way. Uh, so I kind of, I don't go out of my way to expose it, but I remember like, you know, sometimes I watch a movie and it's like, can I watch this movie? And I'm kind of like, uh, okay. But, uh, like, you know, most recently watched Piranha 3D, and I thought, okay, well, this will be cool. This is a uh, throwback to, you know, old cheesy horror movies, and here we're watching it, and I mean, I mean, I don't even think you can count on four hands how many boob shots and, and crotch shots were shown by girls and guys, and then, you know, you have all the, 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 the violence and stuff getting ripped off, and I was just like, okay, well, you realize that's fake. Well, those... Well, that, aren't, those are boobs, Dad. And I go, well, they're still fake. They, they're, you know, silicon tits, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and we, we get to the whole movie and, like, you know, I, I just tried not to react. And, you know, because when I was a kid, you know, my mom would try to cover my, I mean, I can remember vividly sitting there watching Revenge of the Nerds at the movie theater uh, because the, like, Bambi wasn't playing or it was sold out. So we ended up going to Revenge of the Nerds. And, like, I don't think my mom had any idea, you know, that there was going to be uh, panned down. I want to see more Bush, you know. 
And uh, so she tried to cover my eyes. So I still kind of have that instilled in me. But like my older son, I just do a lot of explaining. And and and, and it's it's kind of the flip thing with my younger son because I try to keep him away. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I want him to understand what's going on anyway. So I, I you know, but I think my fear comes from having to explain something and having no idea what to say. <laughs> it's just there because it is, you know. But you know, when I was a kid, my dad would let me watch Rambo movies and and. Um, and, you know, but it, I, I just think the violence is different nowadays, where it's it's almost over the top. But it's everything. Like when I was a kid, my parents gave me a hard time about watching The Simpsons because he would say, "I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you?" And then now you have Family Guy, and they're talking about you know Dick and some girl in the ear as safe sex. And I'm like, "Whoa! How do I explain that to my son?" You know, that doesn't work. <laughs> Don't do that at, at school, kid. Dick you know? doesn't go in here. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I. It's 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 back and forth. It's a constant battle with me. I mean, sometimes I'm like, okay, that's cool, and sometimes it's not. But I battle with, I don't want to be a hypocrite, and you know, am I am I that hippie dad that's like, uh, don't smoke pot, you know? And it's <laughs> as you're packing the bong. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I no, but but you know, so it's a constant battle. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a different time now, so it's. It's just a lot of explaining, and you know, it's. I, I feel like I'd rather expose. I don't go out of my way to expose it to him, but if it's there, I do my best to <laughs> explain where boobs came from. Yeah, I think uh, a generation or two ago, there was certainly less explaining that needed to be done because kids weren't exposed to it as early as they are now. It wasn't everywhere, you know. Yeah, I, I guess I have mixed feelings with it because I actually think it's cool that my son has got innocence that he believes that my car transforms and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, I think there's every kid's different, too. Like, kids that are be fine with one thing are not the same. I try to, like, just play it by ear and, like, you know, and, and not... I also try to make sure that I watch everything before he does just so I'll know what's coming and that I can make decisions like, okay, well, Iron Man's PG-13... And I can sit down and watch it that with him. Maybe, uh, you know, the Dark Knight with the Joker torturing people and stuff is a little bit too scary for four-year-olds still. And, like, you know, uh, like we'll watch Star Wars together, but Lord of the Rings maybe wait for a couple more years. So I try to, you know, make a balance between. And I, and I also explain to him not in terms, because my mom used to always say things were bad. Uh, bad language, bad movies, magic fest. I try to explain things in terms of adult and older and, you know, like, like language isn't bad, but it's adult language. I don't want to hear my four-year-old say fuck because it's just the same reason I don't want to have a mohawk because I think he looks like a tool. Uh, <laughs> you know, like a tool so, like, you know, other parents do different things, but from my perspective, it's like, this is adult language. It, it happens. It's a real thing. It's not good or bad, but you need to be older before you know, you know, how to employ it and where it's appropriate to employ it and all that kind of stuff. So let's cool it for now. And same thing with a video game. Like, he knows I have games that are violent. You know, you've seen the boxes, and uh, uh, I'm like, you know, he's like, you know, uh, I want to play that. I'm like, you know, that's fine. It's not a bad game. It's, it, it's a fine game, but... You know, I think it's a little too scary for you. And he's actually asked me questions like, well, do you, you know, do you play just everything? And I say, like, you know, son, honestly, there's some games that are too scary for daddy. Like, I can't make it through fear without shitting my pants. Or, <laughs> you know, some of the Resident Evil, like, they just work me up too much. So I just choose not to. And so he seems to understand that, like, you know, everybody gets to make their own choices. But 
he's kind of too young to make all the choices himself. So. Yeah, I, def- I definitely agree. I, I'm. It, it was real hard because my, you know, my, uh, of course I'm into comics and I'm, I'm constantly have all that stuff laying around and we were trying to watch The Dark Knight and my son wants to watch it, but then, then the Joker comes out, he gets scared. In fact, we, uh, somebody got me a birthday card that had, you opened it up and the, the Joker starts laughing and every time I opened up, he would take off to the other room and I was kind of like, oh, well. Uh, right. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant, it's, I think it's a constant battle and I think that, you know, Nobody can really tell you how to do what you want to do with your kid, but you just try to do your best. It seems like the important thing is that you actually ask those questions and think about it. Because I guess the only problem I have with the way people raise their kids is when they do something that just seems expedient or selfish. Like, well, I want to do this, and like, like you know, you've seen the person that brings a three-year-old to a radar movie on opening night. And it's clearly because they couldn't get a goddamn babysitter or whatever. <laughs> so now there's a kid screaming at every single scary thing or loud noise. And, you know, that kind of stuff gets on my nerves or it just seems like they're not thinking about it. But if a person has actually thought about it and can, like, you know, articulate the position and defend it, it's like, you know, who am I to judge? Uh, one more question I got about your guys' show, and then I'll turn the reins back over to you. Okay. Your sound effects. Do you do that stuff in real time? Do you edit it after? Do you have like a, I mean, it seems like you change it up each each week too. Can you talk step us through how you do that and what goes in your decisions for making them? Um, for the most part, it's pretty random. I, uh, you know, going into a show, I'll, it's, you know, we do them all live during the, sh- uh, during the show and I just, uh, you know, it's all done off my Droid phone. I'll, I'll download, you know, soundboards and, uh, um, you know, and, then, and and pick out a few that I know, like you know, if I'm typing up kind of how the show is gonna go, you know, I'll pick out a few that I'm like mm, that might work. And there's sometimes I'm just going through the show and I'm 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 randomly switching through and I'm like, it, you know, I, I'm glad the, the listeners can't tell because I mean sometimes they're almost too random where it's like, oh, that didn't work at all, <laughs> or I'll bump the wrong one, you know. Sometimes that's funny too. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, it's just. Uh, um, I, I would say I would say about ninety five percent of our show is very random. <laughs> uh, we write it up; it never really goes according to plan. <laughs> yeah, uh, so you know, it, it's it, it's something it's something that I like. I mean, and actually, you know, it's funny that you asked that because that was really inspired by, and I can't remember which episode it was, but you, but you guys had an episode where you were talking and. Uh, Peter Street was going on a long, kind of a longer rant uh, about Star Wars, um, and you guys kept on um, cutting in with the um, Chub Chub or Nub Nub song from the Ewoks every time. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I thought that was, you know, and the idea behind it was, well, you know, if I get these podcasts, you know, you know, in my computer, I can go in there and edit them, uh, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll do the same thing, uh, but I'll, I'll try to use these movie soundboards. Well, I always. I was just—I started getting it off of the uh, the Jordan. It seemed to sound good and uh, work during the cast. So I just been doing it that way. Well, I wish we did more of that, but uh, I'm famous for steamrolling Jim. Like I'll make a, a joke or something that I don't respond to. And it's almost always because looking at the outline, trying to figure out what I'm going to say next, because it takes a lot of mental effort for me to focus on podcast. And like if I was working a soundboard, it would just basically like I would not hear 
it is just saying. He would just yeah. be, we'd have two completely independent conversations, which actually might be interesting for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like too many plates to keep spinning for me. I hear your ability to focus on that. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting because we do have times where I'm listening back to the show, and I'll hear stuff that Jazzy said, and I'll just start laughing. I'm like, I don't remember him saying that at all during the show. <laughs> yeah, most of Jim's jokes, like when I'm listening to the show, because I always listen at least one time. Um, you know, because we've had some things oh, that had no play in Blue Yonder in retrospect. Um, so. Uh, but yeah, I'll listen and like at least three times I laugh because I'm hearing something for the first time that Jim said on air that I just kind of like, yeah, whatever, when I was actually casting with him. But anyway, that's all, uh, that's all I have for you guys. You, what, what, you, you still got some stuff for us? Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, the thing I like most about the cast uh, you guys do is you don't hold back. Uh, and whereas I think all your guys' casts are great, there are a few that really stand out for me that... Um, you know, kind of really speak out to the real world uh, in general, like in episode 47 titled Double Rainbow, where you discussed about there being a lack of gay role models in the gaming community. Uh, can you speak to what was the idea that sparked the cast, uh, and were you leery about what the, the listeners might think? It was a podcast where uh, it was the Geeks On podcast. Um, they hit on a similar, but that's the same. Not the same. So you were listening to Geeks on. Yeah. I was listening to Bill Simmons, and he interviewed um, a person. Um, and his name is L.V. Anderson. He's a sports writer for ESPN, and he's also a gay. And they're talking about his experiences, and like they were dropping some really weird facts, like the fact that on Arsenio Hall, when Magic Johnson came out to, to announce that he had HIV, that was the first interview he did on Arsenio Hall back in the 90s, which wasn't that long ago, if you think about it. Yeah. And he actually said, uh, yes, I have HIV, but I just want everyone to know I'm not gay. And, like, the audience applauded, like, oh, thank God, Magic, you're not gay. It's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, what? I mean, how fucked up would that be if you were a gay man, if you got a whole audience applauding that well shoot thank god he's not gay um and, and but he I has aids <laughs> yeah i started listening to some of this, the other experiences yes i was I'm a very conservative religious movement where i didn't spend a lot of time thinking about what i and i start thinking about you know, I, I started thinking about all these other kind of like feminist and gay rights issues and how they apply to my hobbies, to video game and comic books. And I'm like, man, there ain't. I mean, everyone's got their token. Like, they made Lord in Britain gay. And like, bullshit. Like, if Wolverine were gay or Spider-Man were gay or Dr. even were gay, that would be something. But if you take a D-level character and say they're gay and then throw it away and forget about it. There's not a whole lot of, like, gay role models. It's interesting because after we did this, I started watching The Wire. The Wire has one of the most badass gay characters yeah. in the history of everything. Like, Omar. The most badass character is a gay man. And I, 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 I kind of want to do readism on that because it was so striking to me. Um, but it is, that's kind of, it, I, I was online and I was, like talking to Jim about this podcast he heard and he said well actually Geek Don talked about it yeah and they came at it from the angle of sort of 
analyzing uh, gay characters in each media, uh, not necessarily wondering why there aren't so many or, or if there should be more or what. Um, so we kind of took it in a different direction. But that's kind of what sparked is we had both been listening to podcasts at the same time on the same subject and decided room for another another take on this. Right, and I always try to, like, there's things that I, you know, it's kind of passion I care about, and, you know, that's not to say that we, I mean, there's a couple things that we decide that are kind of too hot to talk about. Yeah. Like, it, it, especially if there's something that we don't agree about, you know, like politics and things like that, you know, even if we, it'd probably make a good cast or screaming and yelling at each other, but then it's like, okay, well, you got Hannity and Cole. Basically, and that's not really what our show is about, you know. I mean, you can approach politics from a geeky perspective, but oftentimes it's not associated with that. So we try to avoid the subjects that really are the geek spectrum. And also, like, there's a couple things where, like, um, you know, I almost want to say, like, if you are a really bigoted person, I don't necessarily know that I want you to listen to our cast. So, like, I want to fly those opinions out there that if, if you just can't even handle it, it's like that. I'm, I'm okay with people not listening to our cast because we came out in defense of gay rights. Yeah, you know? all the time we tell our audience to go fuck it stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but some things I'm really bad, like, you know, and, and I'm not saying from a judgmental, it's like if you're, if, you're, if you're homophobic or you have problems with gay people, I understand that. They, like, grew up in that environment. I really understand the the personal evolution it takes to come from one side to the other. So I'm sympathetic for it. But on the other hand, if you're going to like write me a letter saying, I can't believe you uh, are sticking up for gay rights or whatever, I'm like, well, go fuck yourself, yeah. you know? Because <laughs> I'm going to. Well, again, to go along with that same theme, uh, in one of the episodes you talk a little bit about your religious background and some of the trials and tribulations you have gone through because of it. Uh, in fact, Aaron, you have discussed how you stood up during a PAX convention and discussed your disassociation with your former religion. Do you feel like the, the podcast can be thera- therapeutic in nature of just being able to talk about it and perhaps uh, reach others who uh, have been in or may be in a position and making difficult choices? Uh, can, can I start with this one? I- I really all. If I'm going to use uh, to do that, it would be not a part of the Baldwin Network. That's really not what I'm trying to do with it. Um, at the same time, I don't mind. I don't mind that information being out there that I was part of this cult, whatever. Um, but I'm not going to press the point to try to try to get my agenda across. You know. And if I'd add to that, um, the thing is, it's ex- and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because I still have friends and family that are steeped into it. In fact, they won't speak to me. <laughs> I do anything if I could think of the one thing that I could say make them change their mind. But what I have realized is that, like, look, I'm thinking of my own journey going out of the religion. There was all these kind of like random occurrences that kind of slowly pried my mind open to think that like if someone gave me, like if I was to go back in time as a 34-year-old to my 18-year-old self and just lay everything out, it would actually make my, my mind more armored. It's really weird because, you know, everyone's got a like confirmation bias. They listen to the things that they agree with and they tune out the things they don't agree with. Well, when you're in a religious institution that it's you against the world, things that come in from outside the world actually tend to, instead of penetrating your brain, 
um, not only do they bounce off, but you actually harden your brain against that kind of intrusion even harder. It, so so it, it doesn't tempt your your faith again. So I try to. Um, I try. I don't like throwing around like the term like pulp and like talking about, especially in a non-serious um, kind of cavalier way, because I still have an enormous amount of respect for a lot of the people who still in the religion. I still love a lot of people still in the religion, and I wouldn't want to do anything that would turn them off. Like, let's say I've got an ex-Jehovah's Witness friend that, against all odds, instruction are listening to. Um, Hold on, hold on. We're losing you. I'm oh, sorry. Um, I want him to get the opinion that Aaron is a good guy, a decent guy, and he's half a good. He's not an agent of Satan, the devil, and he's living a good life, and he's having a lot of fun. I want him to have some bitter axe to grind, and that I'm like, you know, danger to his faith and his religion. So I, that's kind of a personal choice that we've made. Um. Personally, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, it's something that I guess would appeal to me, but it's just, I don't think a blue yonder feels like the appropriate vehicle for it. No, it's not, and, and that's my whole thing. The Bolt Loop Network is not trying to get across political, religious, social agendas. We're simply speaking on geek-related issues and giving our opinions on them. So I don't think that's necessary. That's interesting, because we do, we do crusade about some stuff, I don't know that we crusade. We give our opinions on it when it's a hot topic. Like, like with this, the gay thing. You know? Right. I mean, that was something that was sparked by a rash of attention. Right. Um, we, yeah, we about this. People are discussing it. And we weighed in with our opinions. I don't think we were saying that there should be more or there shouldn't be more. It's just we were, I don't know, kind of stating what the current status is. I think we're a little bit more active, but we haven't made it a continuing thing, too. Like, you know, we, we talked about, we, we made a card game about our experiences with witnesses, and we did some light publicity on that on the cast. But, I mean, that's the extent of it. It's not like we've got a segment about, you know, you know our you know, experience. That's funny because Peter, our other co-host, very much would like to talk about that all the time. In fact, I think he would be really good if he just did a podcast about you know, his experiences, and that'd be therapeutic for him, but that, you know, as far as us personally, it just feels, it'd be hard to, it'd be hard to be, it'd be hard to have the kind of dispassionate, informed take on it, we other things, because we're so close to the issue, and we have so many people that are still involved in it, so. Um, well, I, you know, with that, being said, with that being said, I guess, uh, you know, you're always going to find uh, fans, people who are fans of people who aren't, but did you ever think you would have frenemies? This is my question number 20. <laughs> I would, of course, be talking about the guys of our personal arrogance podcast. How did they become your frenemies and who gets the credit for coining the phrase? Uh, actually, the credit for uh, coining the phrase frenemies. And I heard that actually on podcast because they're pitching an idea on MTV Real World Road Rules. They're trying to think of a way to spice it up. And they're like, you should pick, pick the people that hate each other and make them the team. Like the two guys that hate each other previous seasons, yeah. they're teamed up to win the next season, and you call it Road Rules Frenemies. <laughs> I thought that was pretty freaking funny. It was actually Stoppa's idea to, like, quote-unquote, invade another cast. 
and like start talking shit about them publicly as a ploy to get them to you know kind of share each other's audience and network. Yeah, he suggested we go after somebody bigger like maybe Will Wheaton, but eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, try to talk shit about Will Wheaton. He just he don't hear it. Thousand posts per second Twitter feed. You know? he's, he's so far. He's so above our level. Our our small arms fire can't hit him. Yeah. So, um, but. Yeah, they were like a little bit bigger than us, but they're kind of on the same topic and they had the kind of the same feel or cast that we thought. We also thought that they'd take it in the manner in which it was intended. Yeah. That like we actually had listened to their cast and thought it was good and now we're going to exaggerate negative things about it too. And, and they did the same thing about us. Yeah, and that was the thing. We we made them obviously exaggerated claims about Seattle and about their mothers and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like they could ever take this seriously if they had any sense of humor. Right, right. So, and it's been it's been really good to collaborate with them. Like yeah. I said, we uh, we're going to be staying with them out at Pack Time, um, and we kind of been thinking about another podcast to set to, to set our aim uh, our our sights on. Now that we're we've got like several casts, you know, that are joining us. Set it on the path. I think we should <laughs> turn our fire on the path. <laughs> you got hey, coming to you next week. <laughs> And it's about to start all about Frank quietly or quickly <laughs> or whatever. Um, no, it's like it was a collaboration. Like the friend of me was kind of came from me. Stafa had the idea. Peter brought it to us. Me and Jim came up with the first because Peter wasn't cast with us at that time. Kind of came up with the execution. We had big plans. We were going to do yeah. We were going to like yeah. do a video ransom note with us wearing uh, ski masks, uh, like holding hostage a goat. Optimus Prime, because I have an Optimus Prime Halloween costume. Yeah, we were going to say we're going to fascinate Optimus Prime unless our demands were met. And we had, like, all these kind of bullshit demands. Like, the other thing that was funny is I kept on getting their names wrong. I kept on calling Matt and Jamie, and they're Eric and Jesse. Yeah. Uh, So it's like we were going to make them officially change their names to Matt and Jamie. They had to stop casting on Wednesdays because that was our day. They had to, we all had some made up some random funny things that they did like they had to stop washing their feet in the sink they had to stop eating hot dogs without fun yeah like all these crimes against humanity they're perpetrating but we never got to that far because they got you know they got friendly yeah too friendly well, you can't maintain kind of rage and focus against you know, the people like your, your friends well, you know, you know, speaking of, of them having a podcast, when you go online, you find millions of podcasts. Uh, what would you guys say is the draw to making a podcast? And do you see this as the end of as the end of radio as we know it? Yes, yes, I I think that podcasts for me and for the generation, if you talk to them, nice radio. Um, and you could argue that Pandora and some of the other features that you can get even on your phone and iPhones have replaced music. That basically, once our generation, once the ba- you know the generation older than us, whatever that would be, the baby boomers, whatever, once they die out, um, there's not going to be a lot of cause for radio. Or it could come yeah. full circle that like radio networks start rebroadcasting large podcasts. See, I I think there's a very compelling reason for listening to podcasts over radio, and it's the same thing that's going on with television. Um, stuff like Netflix and Hulu, where you can actually choose what you want to listen to when you want to do it. With broadcast radio, there is no such thing. Do whatever happens to be on the stations that you can tune into in your area. And if, if I'm in, let's say I'm in Dallas, Texas, and I want to listen to a podcast about 
on getting on there and I'm like oh we got new views I'm like oh that was me <laughs> you know well that, that let me ask you that that kind of segues into my next question uh, we're running a little short on uh, on time but I want to get a few more questions in here uh, what do you think makes a successful podcast uh, something that you yourself enjoy doing because we've many times ordered the idea formula to chase an audience and every single time we're like you know what this does not feel right, we're not executing it right, it's because it's not the show we want to make. So, and that comes back to how, how do you, de- is it the number of listeners each week? Is it the personal satisfaction you feel producing the podcast? Is it something that you enjoy doing? Like, is, how do you measure success? If listeners, well, a lot of podcasts don't get very many listeners, and chances are if you're in a very niche subject, you're not going to have 20,000 listeners. So, how else are you going to spend your success? Maybe what makes you happy with the podcast. Yeah, I think that, like, we did this, like, you know, maintain our friendship, and I think it's cool that, you know, in 12 years from now, my friend, you know, wants to know what his old man was like when he was a little crazier and younger, listen to Blue Yonder. I mean, I don't know that that will happen, but I think that would be righteous if, like, my dad had recorded, you know, something back in, you know, his days. Uh, I would love to know what, because I was just on his dad. I mean, I, I think it's 
things like that and, and how kind of cool that would be and just the fact that, you know, you get an email from someone that you don't know that says they listened to your show and liked it and here's a point to add, that's what, that's still what keeps me going. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I want to get my cast out there, but I'm, I'm, I'm almost kind of worried. I think my wife would divorce me if my kids ever listened to my cast. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's 20 years. There's got to be some time, space, and therapy <laughs> before that. For me, it's all about Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, guys, got got two more questions here I want to shoot out at you real quick uh, before we got to wrap this up. But uh, first question is... Uh, did the camels in Australia ever end up drinking all the water supply? And because uh, listeners want to know, they got my picture. I don't know about yours. They got over here. Because <laughs> we successfully cursed them with the Blue Yonder curse, and they pushed through the Australian defenses. They made it all the way to the coast. They started drinking the Pacific Ocean, and the salt concentration of rain killed them all. So our Blue Yonder curse did its job and ended the camel menace. I'm waiting for a check from the Queen of England for our service to render to Her Majesty's service, and I haven't gotten one yet. So. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about NASA essentially shutting down the space program? What was that? How do you feel about NASA essentially shutting down the space program? I'm, I'm really disappointed that we don't have the ability to sit a man in space anymore. I saw a, a tweet yesterday that summed up. I can't remember who tweeted it originally, but they're saying, I'm not sad because this is the last shuttle mission. I'm sad. I'm not, I'm not sad that this is the end of the shuttle era. I'm sad that there is no new era ready to take its place. Yeah. Like, I, I think the shuttle program was cool and the fucking space shuttle looks cool. And when I watched it launch live yesterday in high definition, mm-hmm. I was like, God damn, this still looks cool. This looks really fucking cool. Yeah, a launch is one of the most epic things you can see, right? Yeah. And it's like a space plane. I mean, mount, mount lasers and cannons of that fucker. And it's basically like every science fiction show you ever wanted to see about flying to space and coming and landing. And, um, but it's expensive and it's, it, it was over time, and there's lots of things we could do cheaper and better with human spaceflight right now. And we are choosing, unlike in the 60s where Kennedy said we choose to do these things because they're hard, we're choosing not to do these things because they're hard and expensive. And we'd rather do other things that are just as hard and expensive and pissing off a rope. And I'm not going to get into what I think those are because they might be different from other people, but everybody's got something they're like, God damn, why are we wasting money on this? No, I mean, if they were funneling this into asteroid defense or going too far or something like that, I would be cool with it. But they're just cutting it, and now our solution to get people in space is pay the Russians. Pay the Russians to bury us in the space. Rocky didn't beat Drago, so we could pay the Russians to take us in space. Robert Reagan didn't punch Mikhail Gorbachev in the face, so we could take them to take us in space. Goddamn, we're American. <laughs> well hey that sounds like a good place then uh, that's all the time we have but I'd like to thank Aaron Hubbard and Jim Jones for your time thanks guys thanks for having us it's fun you can find these guys online at baldmove.com under blue yonder and on facebook at baldmove uh, anywhere else they can find you at guys Say what any place else they can find you at Uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter at Bald Move, Facebook.com slash Bald Move, forums at Bald Move. Yeah, really go check out our new uh, Breaking Good podcast. That's, that's where the theme's going. Yeah, breakinggood.baldmove.com.
Excellent. Hey, uh, stop listening to our show right now and go over to there uh, over at baldmove.com under Blue Yonder. This is Aaron and Jim Hubbard, or <laughs> Jim Jones and Aaron Hubbard. Did you guys notice I, I fucked up your names in the first cast? Yeah, I like that. That's good. We love it. <laughs> so that was just the rehash right there. <laughs> All right, guys, it was a good time. Take care, okay? All right, see ya. See ya. Well, that's about all the time we have for episode eight. Um, we want to uh, wish you all a good time and farewell. And uh, we shall see you sometime in the future. J-Hat, you have anything? Or Jazz, you have anything? Uh, no, still not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get our fucking names right. Uh, those guys are great. Go over to uh, blueyonder.com uh, and we'll take it from there. We're out. Thank <laughs> you.